Bible prophecy foretells a world religion will be established just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Consider the recent religious congress in Kazakhstan and the 60th anniversary of Vatican Council II. Well, we will analyze the ongoing fulfillment of this prophecy on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, I want you to know, obviously, this is the End of the Age program. We use current events to show how prophecies written 2,000 to 2,500 years ago are coming to pass right now. It lets us know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, when He will come back to do away with human government and establish His kingdom here on the earth. I know you've heard about that for years. The Lord's going to come back and it hasn't happened. And a lot of people have said, well, I've heard about that my whole life. I'm not really worried about it. The thing is, is that we are watching things, events happening at such a rapid rate that it puts a sense of urgency in me. We need to reach this world for the cause of Jesus Christ to build His kingdom because He's coming back before very long. I'm following many news stories. The, the central bank digital currencies that are um, they're coming at us. It's only a matter of time. World War III, the world government, precursors to the mark of the beast, these red heifers in Israel, the building of the third temple, uh, events leading up to an eventual peace agreement, between the Palestinians and the Israelis, marking the beginning of the final seven years. Many different things. The the ongoing fulfillment of the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire. I'm watching all of this stuff take place as we speak, everyone. But one of the things that I've been watching for a long time, decades now with me and my father-in-law, is the ongoing fulfillment of the establishment of the end-time world religious system. Now, when we talk about uh, the red heifers in Israel leading to the building of a third temple, some people might say, that has, no, I, that has nothing to do with me. So I'm not really super interested in that. Or an event that happens in New Zealand or China or uh, you know, somewhere in South America, whatever, doesn't really have much to do with me. So it's kind of like you know, uh, out of sight, out of mind. But when we talk about the end-time world religious system, this should get everyone's attention. If you have anything to do with any type of a religion, a a church, um, religious affiliation, because every religion on the planet will be coerced, and you can feel the pressures of this now, will be coerced to conform to this world religious system. In the name of peace and tolerance, just 
hey, everybody's religion is okay. There's many ways to God and, you know, there's a plethora of gods. Believe in whatever you want and it's fine. But if you don't want to be buy into this belief system, hey, then you're a religious extremist and we need to take care of you, right? We need to close, shut down your voice. You can't have free speech and you're on the outskirts of what we're trying to do in this global community, this world religious system and this world government. And there are many churches today here in the United States. This is not in some faraway land somewhere. In the United States that are already lining up to this belief system and they're marching straight forward to the beat of that world religious drum. And so I want to talk about that today because the Bible is very specific when it talks about the world religious system in the end time, and it's something that you will not want to be a part of. You cannot be tolerant of every religion. Hey, everything's okay. Just believe what you want. We'll believe what we want. And, you know, let's just all get along. I want everybody to get along. I love everybody. But in an effort to save people and get them to heaven, you can't allow them to believe whatever they want, right? Jesus said, Go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing them, making disciples, and teach them to observe the things that I have taught you. Isn't that what the Bible says? And so it's very important that we understand the ramifications of a global religious system, something the Bible says true Christians cannot be a part of. Now, got a couple things I want to talk to you about today, but I'm going to back up into history a little bit, and then we'll move forward and bring you up to today. Several years ago, when we started on the radio in 98, I think it was in late 98 or 99, Irvin Baxter, my father-in-law, um, interviewed a gentleman named Robert Mueller. I've talked about this many times, but this is very important to today's topic. He was the former Assistant Secretary General at the United Nations. He, they were talking about world religion, world government, a lot of different things. And, my, and uh, the main topic, really, though, was world government. And Robert Mueller said, look, Irvin, we have brought this world government together as far... We brought the world together as far as we can politically. To bring about a true world government, the world must be brought together spiritually. What we need is a United Nations of Religions. And there have been many efforts of the, at that. Uh, the Parliament of World Religions and the United Religions Initiative and just many different things. Well, Robert Mueller understood that the ultimate goal of these internationalists, these globalist elites around the globe, is a totally implemented world governing system. That's the goal. And it, an organization designed to supersede any national government and demand that all nations surrender their sovereignty and submit to international laws and regulations. And Robert Mueller also knew that for this dream to become a reality, all religions must somehow ignore their differences, unify, and pledge their allegiance to the establishment of this global community in the name of peace and tolerance on a, on a global scale. And when that happens, and according to Bible prophecy, it's going to happen in the very near future, 
those who choose not to conform will be considered heretics against this world religious system and possibly even pay for it with their lives. And so this is what I'm going to spend the program on today, this world religious system, because I will never participate in that. I want peace on earth, goodwill towards men, but that will not come through an interfaith ecumenical movement that only comes through Jesus Christ. And we're going to stick by the Bible, right? That's what that's our moral compass in the end time, and that's our truth. Uh, what we're heading our uh, the plumb line on is the Word of God in the end time. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. So, the Bible prophesies, the, the, it, the, it prophesies the, um, the establishment of this global religious system in the end time. We're going to get deep off into this, but let me have, I've got an announcement here. This weekend, my wife and I will be at the Cornerstone Pentecostal Church, 24135 Greenway Road in Forest Lake, Minnesota. That's... Um, Saturday, October 22nd, from 6 to 8 p.m. We will, I'll be teaching the future according to Bible prophecy. Sunday morning, October 23rd, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. I'll be teaching breaking prophecy news. We'll have a time of Q&A. It's going to be an awesome time. So if you're anywhere in that area, we have had people driving for hours to get to these conferences to find out what's going on in the news and just to be there to meet us, to go to do the Q&A. It's really a great time. And we really want to meet you 
Uh, I've got longtime friends up in that area. Many people have called and said they're going to meet us there. So looking forward to the conference this weekend in Forest Lake, Minnesota. If you'd like to meet us there, you need more information, maps and phone numbers and different things, go to endtime.com. And under the events tab, go to conferences and all the information you need to get you in contact with the church and to get you there um, is all right there. So looking forward to seeing you in Forest Lake, Minnesota. It's just north of Minneapolis. And I think it's maybe 35, 40 minutes north of Minneapolis. So uh, looking forward to be there this weekend. God bless you all and be safe in your travels. Now, according to Scripture... Uh, this world, this world religious system, the leader of this deceitful organization will have two objectives. He is going to unite the world's religions under one belief system of tolerance. And that's one of the biggest things because a lot of people say, well, um, you know, Dave, you're, you're a little bit too hardliner. Well, I, I, I don't mean to be a hardliner per se because I want peace on earth. However, there are some things the Word of God will not allow me to do. And so I ha- I'm going to align up with the Word of God more than I am with any man. Um, and there will come a time when there's peace on earth. And me living as a Christian, I have peace in my life. But the thing is to just say, well, let's just say everybody's religion's okay and that'll bring peace. That's not going to work. And because the, the goal of this end-time world religion is to advocate for the world government and to pledge allegiance, thereby worshiping that, and I, as a Christian man, cannot do that because that's going to be to worship Satan, and I simply cannot do that. And the Bible says in Revelation 13 that people in the end time will worship the dragon. Look at Revelation 13. It tells you right there. And I cannot do that. So once I understand what's behind this huge move to this world religion, I, as a Christian individual, cannot participate in that. Now, the number two objective of this leader of this world religious system will be to use this uh, pious position to influence all adherents to align with and pledge allegiance to the prophesied end-time world government. So that's the goal of all of it. Now, Recent events confirm that what we who understand and systematically analyze Bible prophecy on a daily basis, it's really what we've known for years. We've watched it coming to pass for decades now. That this world religion is in the latter stages of its formation and the world's most recognized religious leader, many of them, more than one at this point, there will come a time when one of them is the leader of the bunch, but there are many of them that are working together and they're beseeching the religions of the world to commit. We want a commitment from you and to adhere to the global governing efforts of the United Nations, which is the seat of the world government in the earth today. They're not doing this world religion just simply because of peace. That's not what it's all about. When you read about it in the news, oh yes, it's all about tolerance and peace. Let's just love each other. But they want something from you. The world religion is being established, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through the prophecy here in just a little bit, that they, its going, its goal will be to cause them, 
that are in the earth to worship or pledge allegiance to the Antichrist and his world governing system. They're all going to be working together in complete alliance. This world religion and this world government. A union of politics and religion in the end time. Now, the first topic I want to cover, the Astana Times. They published many articles um, reporting on the declaration of the 7th Congress of the Leaders of World and Traditional Religions in Congress of Leaders of World and Traditional Legions International on September, back on September 15, 2022. Now, in this, at this Congress, they said that we, we the participants of the 7th Congress, spiritual leaders of world and traditional religions, I mean there were many, many of them there, of the traditional world religions, politicians, heads of international organizations. So, they're tying in these world religious systems in with world government. Okay? This is exactly what the Bible says is going to happen, folks. This is a 2,000-year-old prophecy. They say, they put out a document, and it says, we have come to a common position and declare the following. I want you to listen to the big package that they put together of world religion and world government, and they put a nice bow on top to get you to buy into it. And you think, well, hey, this all sounds great. But you remember the goal. All of these efforts towards a world governing body and a world religion, or the world religious system is to advocate for a world government. Number one, they said, we will make every effort to ensure that the Congress of the Leaders of the World and Traditional Religions continues its regular activities for the benefit of peace and dialogue between religions, cultures, and civilizations. Now, when you read that, if you, like me, say, I can't participate in this, then they would say, well, you don't want peace? And I have to look at them and say, oh, I absolutely do want peace. I'm a Christian. But I don't want to partake in a global religious system that's going to ask me to sweep the doctrines of the Bible under the rug. You say, wow, Dave, man, that's going a little bit far. No, it's not going a little bit far. That's exactly what these people are asking you to do. Number two, they say we declare that in the conditions of a post-pandemic world, this development and the globalization of, of processes and security threats, the Congress of the Leaders of World and Traditional Religions plays an important role in the implementation of joint efforts to strengthen dialogue in the name of, here it is, in the name of peace and cooperation as well as the promotion of spiritual and moral values. Now, I do not share the spiritual and moral values of every religion on the planet. I simply do not. I do not agree that there are thousands of gods. My Bible tells me that there's only one God. Hero is Deuteronomy 6.4. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So I can't conform to this belief system and say, well, yeah, but um, there, there may be 50 gods. There may be 100 gods. Maybe the sun is a god. Maybe the moon is a god. Maybe I should worship trees, right? How could you, as a Christian individual, know the Bible 
worship anything other than God Almighty. You can't, folks. And this is what I'm saying. They're going to say that you, well, you don't want to align up with this belief system, then you're, you must be a religious extremist. That's what we're being called now. But that's not me. I'm just adhering to the Bible, which is our ticket out of here, folks. That is our roadmap to get to heaven. And that book tells us that there's only one God. And that's what I've got to adhere to. Now, this document put out by this meeting in Kazakhstan on number 10, I went down through and weeded out a bunch of them. I just had one, two, and ten, and several others. But ten, uh, this the topic says that, hey, religious diversity is permitted by God. That's not a scriptural statement. Religious diversity is not permitted by God. And the document says, and therefore, any coercion, I want you to listen very closely to this, any coercion to a particular religion and religious doctrine is unacceptable. Now, if you're sitting there as a Christian individual, and they're saying that, hey, for you only to coerce people to believe in one religion, that's unacceptable in the eyes of this global religious system that's being created and established. You say, well, that doesn't line up with the Bible. That's absolutely true. You say, but Dave, what about the name of peace? What about tolerance? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the, bo- to the Father but by me. Jesus was not tolerant. Jesus was compassionate on the, the, on the masses, and He loved them. But He told the, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and they brought before Him. And when He got, they wanted Him, they thought, hey, under the law, she needs to be stoned. And He said, look, He, got, he bent down, started writing in the sand. And some people believe He was writing the sins of the, of the accusers that were standing around wanting to stone her. And when he gets done writing, he looks up, and they're all gone. And he says, Women, where, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, well, I don't have any. He says, neither do I condemn thee, but he doesn't leave it there. Neither do I condemn you, but go thy way and sin no more. He was not tolerant of her sin. He said, don't go your way, don't do that anymore. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to... Um, condemn you to hell for this, but you need to stop doing that. Be repentant and move on. And don't do that anymore. So, you can't just do whatever you want in this world and make it, right? I mean, I know this, this kind of seems like hardliner stuff to some people. Because a lot of, let's say, quote-unquote Christianity today is becoming really watered down. Let's not be, you know, like our forefathers were who got us here. But let's not talk about some subjects, you guys. Let's just kind of water everything down and brush some things under the rug because we might offend somebody. I'm not into offending people. I'm not trying to do that. But I am trying to get people to heaven. And a lot of people don't want you to talk about sin anymore. 
<gasps> the pastor got up and talked about sin Sunday. And he offended me. And I'm upset. He talked about something that I like to do and told me that if I was going to make it to heaven, I can't do that. Well, I'll just I'll go to another church. Come on. He's just trying to get you to heaven. You ought to sit under some of the pastors I sat under coming up. You should have sat under an Irvin Baxter. Irvin Baxter, when I was growing up as a child, him and his dad and some of the men and their pastor friends and people I grew up being around, they taught hell, fire, and brimstone, folks. They could hang you over the edge of hell. And the fact of the matter is, is that I needed that at a certain time in my life. I had to have something to shock me out of my lifestyle I was living in and say, Dave, you've got to get ready to meet the Lord someday. Stop living your crazy life and align up to the Word of God. Sometimes you've got to preach on sin. Sometimes you've got to talk about hell like Jesus did. Okay, wow, I hadn't planned on doing this. But, I mean, the thing is, everybody seems like they've got such a fragile mental state nowadays. Listen, there's one way, folks. Jesus Christ, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So, this huge interfaith, world religious system, I can't be a part of that. In this Kazakhstan document, they said, we stand in solidarity with the efforts. Now, this is a religious, a global religious type uh, meeting. But they've got international global leaders there. And they say, well, we stand in solidarity with the efforts of the United Nations, a communistic one-world governing body, and all other international governmental and religious institutions and organizations, promoting dialogue among civilizations and religions and states and nations. Wow, are they trying to cram world religion in with a world government? You see what's going on here? It's right here in the document, folks. They actually say, we recognize the importance uh, and value of the document on human fraternity for world peace and living together between the Holy See and Al-Azhar al-Sharif. It was adopted by the UN General Assembly in Resolution um, AREZ 75200 of December 21, 2020. You say, hold on a minute. That was adopted by a UN resolution? That's world government. Marrying itself with the world religion. And the Makkah Declaration adopted in Mecca in May 2019, which call for peace, dialogue, mutual understanding, and mutual respect among believers for the common good. Oh, world religion, folks. It's what this is leading to. We're watching the establishment of this prophesied in the Bible 2,000 years ago by John in the book of Revelation. It's happening right now. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. On February 4th, 2019, the Grand Imam Al-Azhar Ahmed Al-Taib, considered to be the most important Imam in Sunni Islam, and Pope Francis, who claims to be the head of the uh, Christian world, they arrived in Abu Dhabi in a symbol of interfaith brotherhood. Pope Francis and the Grand Imam signed this historic document referred to in that Kazakhstan meeting document, uh, and it was called the Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. The true objective of these interfaith meetings and agreements like this Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together is the tolerance of all religious faiths in the spirit of Vatican II, which I will get to in just a moment. But I want you to consider two two, um, statements in this document. It says, number one, the pluralism and diversity of religions are willed by God in His wisdom. The pluralism. So, in other words, God would accept any religion as valid. Is that what the Bible says? Absolutely not. If that was the case, anybody who believed in any kind of religion or worshipped anything would be saved. And that's simply not the case. You say, wow, Dave, that's another hardliner statement. No, folks, that's a biblical statement. Uh, 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 You know, a lot of people want a man of God to walk on eggshells, tiptoe through the tulips. But sometimes a man of God or a woman of God has to stand in a pulpit and say, thus saith the word of the Lord, thus, thus, and thus. And if I had something in my life that did not line up to the Word of God, and I was so blinded by my own desires or something that I couldn't uh, see that, I would hope that God would send somebody who was anointed by God to say, Dave, grab me by the lapels and say, you can't do that. Stop. Look at what you're doing. Shake me and say, look, you can't make it doing that. I want that. And so... You know, I don't want to, my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, he would call it being a cafeteria Christian. You walk down through a cafeteria and just pick what you want. The Bible's not like that. 
I've got to adhere to everything in Scripture. It's all for my betterment and designed to get me to heaven. So I don't want a preacher um, picking and choosing what he's going to preach and then skipping stuff. No, no. Don't skip one word for me. Teach it straight because I want to make it someday. Okay. Man, give me a pulpit. Number two, this document, Document on Human Fraternity. Therefore, the fact that people are forced to adhere to a certain religion or culture must be rejected. Come on, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. So, I'm not going to have some world religious system telling me, don't coerce your child to, uh, 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 to abide by the doctrines taught in the Bible. I'm going to do that. I don't care what a world religious system says. You say, well, you're, going, you're not going to be a part of that world religion. You're absolutely right. I will not be a part of it. I can't be a part of it. You say, but you're not for peace. I absolutely am for peace. But I'm not for a peace that is bought and paid for by doctrines that do not align with the Word of God. It's not going to happen with me. I want to, I want to get to heaven and I want everybody who listens to us to get to heaven. And so sometimes we need to be shaken out of our fog that we're in and say, look, you can't be a part of that. The reason I'm being so dogmatic on this, folks, is that I know people in the United States that have already aligned themselves up with this. Say, I didn't even know it was happening here in the United States. It's happening all over the world. There's some major religions that have already signed on to this. Now, this document on human fraternity sounds nice, doesn't it? But there's an enormous problem with these statements. The coexistence or tolerance of more than one religion or doctrine is diametrically opposed to the Bible. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He said, hey, again, this is uh, John 14, 6. I can't say this enough. Jesus said, and I would like to, you know, I, that would probably not be a good, good idea, but Somebody needs to stand up in these interfaith movements and say, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father by me. Well, how would they respond to that? They might kick you out of the meeting, right? Paul taught that there was one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. That's Ephesians 4, 5 through 6. What do you do at an interfaith meeting with that scripture? Paul told the church in Galatia, but though we or an angel from heaven, um, camera one here, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's Galatians 1.8. We well, and so, what do you do with those scriptures in an interfaith setting? Just asking the question. Just posing a simple question, folks. So, moving on in this Kazakhstan document. They say, we welcome the progress made by the global community in the fields of science, technology, medicine, industry, and other areas, yet note the importance of their harmonization with spiritual, social, and human values. We affirm that the purposes of the Congress of this declaration is to guide contemporary and future generations of humankind in promoting a culture of mutual respect and peacefulness, 
available for use in public administration of any country in the world, as well as by international organizations, including the UN institutions. Do you understand why I spend so much time on UN institutions? The UN institutions were designed to be a communistic, one-world governing body. Period. Anything that comes out of them is communist, communistic or socialistic propaganda. The, communi- the, the United Nations is not a great humanitarian organization, at least not the hierarchy of it. It's designed to be a world-governing body, folks. And so when we look at this Kazakhstan meeting that happened back in September, it's very important that we understand that these interfaith ecumenical meetings is not something that you're going to want to be a part of in the near future because you've got to move off some of these scriptural standards to be a part of that. Okay, now, next, Pope Francis and the Catholic Church just celebrated the 60th anniversary of Vatican Council II. Now, you say, well, what's Vatican Council II got to do with this? Well, prior to Vatican Council II, the Catholic Church considered those outside the Mother Church's belief system. Now, I'm slow way down here. Prior to Vatican II in 1962-65-ish, those in the Catholic Church considered anybody outside that belief system as hellbound. Okay, now that's a pretty staunch belief system, right? Hellbound. Anybody who is not a Catholic is hellbound. Pope Eugene IV, this would be from 1388 to 1477 A.D., He wrote a papal bull, and in 1441 A.D., he titled the Cantante, it was titled the Cantante Domino. I want to read one small paragraph from that papal bull, from that pope. He said, It firmly believes, professes, and proclaims that those not living within the Catholic Church, not only pagans, but also Jews, heretics, Um, schismatics cannot become participants in eternal life, but will depart into everlasting fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. Unless before the end of life, the same have been added to the flock, the Catholic Church, and the unity of the ecclesiastical body is so strong that only to those remaining in it are the sacraments of the church of benefit of salvation and do fastings, almsgivings, and other functions of piety and exercises of Christian service produce eternal reward, and no one, whatever almsgiving is practiced, even if he has shed blood for the name of Christ, can be saved unless he has remained in the bosom and the unity of the Catholic Church. So, again, prior to Vatican Council II, they believed everyone outside of that was hellbound. Now, this is history. After Vatican II, the Catholic Church did an about-face. They did a 180, issuing two documents that called for a new era of interfaith and ecumenical relations. And that call is very much alive today. Uh, Pope Francis is a huge advocate of Vatican Council II. In essence, and again, they just celebrated the 60th anniversary of that. So it didn't happen yesterday, 60 years ago. In essence, the church no longer saw itself in opposition to other faiths. The goal was to seek a a common ground 
between Catholic Church and other Christian denominations or uh, Protestant denominations as well as other religions. The first document was Unitatis Redingratio, the decree on ecumenism. That was 1964. It issued a call for the unity of all Christian churches. The uh, second document from uh, Vatican II was Nostra Aetate, or the Declaration on the Relation of the Church to Non-Christian Religions. That was 1965. So for the first time, the Catholic Church encouraged interreligious dialogue. Now, imagine living prior to Vatican II as a Catholic and post-Vatican II. Talk about rocking your world, right? And there are a lot of articles being written today about how the Vatican II rocked the Catholic Church world. Um, And, well, so as previously stated, this is an effort by the Catholic Church to unite every religious entity, both Christian and non-Christian. The question is, why? The goal isn't to bring Protestants and those of other religions to salvation, and we know that because the church is declaring that these people are already saved. For instance, in the New Catholic Catechism issued in 1994, it actually states that Muslims are saved. It states this, and I'm going to quote, The church's relationship with the Muslims, the plan of salvation, also includes those who acknowledge the Creator, who in the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims, these profess and hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. That's the Catholic Catechism of 94, pages 242 to 243. It's section 2841. I've read that so many times uh, because sometimes I have to go back and say, does that really say that? And I just saw that in a half-price books the other day, and I took a picture of it, and I sent Doug Norvell, and I said, yes, it still says it. However, you understand that Muslims deny Jesus was God or that He died on the cross. So the question is, after hundreds of years of strict adherence to Catholic Church doctrine, why the sudden switch? Well, if you remember, the globalist goal is a one-world government, and these elitists realized early on that their dream of absolute control over the global population could only be partially realized through political maneuvers. They understood religious values controlled the very mind, soul, and spirit of billions of people. And so the religions must be somehow unified under this one global religious authority that would align itself along with its followers to that one world governing body. So. There you have it, people moving into this one more religion. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So if you understand this, the Catholic Church in Rome supports this global political authority in every way. Uh, you can go look up at all of the popes since Vatican II. They've called for a global political authority, every one. And if you go to um, Pope Francis's encyclical in 2015, Laudato Si, it's not just about the human-induced global warming which leads to climate change, all of that. It's not what it's all about. He does go through all of that, but at the very end, he said to manage all of this catastrophe, we need a true global political authority, a world government. That's the goal. Uh, that's the, the thesis of the entire encyclical, and it was humongous. I read it, I don't know how many times when I was writing articles on it, and it was huge. But it was all about, at the end, to, to manage all this, we need a world government. So after Vatican II, the interfaith and ecumenical efforts by the Catholic Church revealed the clear intentions of the global elite. They want to unite all the religions of the world under the leadership of the Roman Catholic Church, which has repeatedly issued calls for a one-world government and, and other religions. I mean, there, there, there are many people. Look at all the religions that met in Kazakhstan. They're trying to get all of them on board with this. Now... Not everybody in these religions supports that. I understand that. I've got, um, I know people in those religions that don't support that. Okay? And so are some of these world governing edicts. I, I, know, I had some people go on tour with us. Oh man, it's been several years ago now. They sat me down one night and talked to me about what their church was doing. And I was shocked. It, what their church was doing was anti-Israel. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. Does your pastor really understand what that's all about? They were in the, their church got caught up in the boycott, divest, and sanction movement, the BDS movement. And they were, their church, they were investing money in that. And, their church, and that, the boycott, divest, and sanction movement sanctions the... Jews that are out in the West Bank area, the settlers, it sanctions their products that they use to, to create a living with, they, that they create, and it sanctions them because they believe they're standing in the way of peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Their church here in the United States got caught up in that. And I said, are you, you sure your pastor really knows what that's all about? And so when we got back, we had this big dialogue because I thought, my goodness, the guy really needs to be educated on what the boycott, divest, and sanction movement is. It was totally anti-Israel. And so a lot of people in these churches do not understand really what's going on. So it's 
it's religions being caught up in, sucked up into this huge vacuum to this world religious system. And, we, and the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about this as much as it talks about the mark of the beast, the world government, uh, the second coming, Armageddon, World War III. These are all prophecies that are going to take pass. But a lot of people don't even understand. And it's not talked about very much. You can see it can kind of be a hardliner topic. But the thing is, I want you to understand, I love everybody. I would like to go to these meetings and tell them the truth. Because it's very important that people understand, you can't just be tolerant of everything. Okay? God's not tolerant of everything. God does have compassion on people, and He loves you, and no matter what you've done, He wants to save you. Okay? Let's get that out of the way. The people in these religions, God wants to save them. But that does not mean you can continue on your path and be saved. That's why I told you about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus Christ said, neither do I condemn you. I'm going to forgive you for that. But you go your way and don't sin anymore. Don't continue in that sin. So that's the way I am here. I believe Jesus Christ would save you and forgive you. But that doesn't mean you can continue on in that. And so these are biblical, this is Bible 101, folks. And I hope you're getting taught this in your churches because it's very important. I'm trying to get people to heaven. And so we need to talk about these things And in, because I love you. If I didn't love you, I'd say, ah, believe whatever you want. doesn't work like that. So, If you remember, we've talked about this many times, in his book, Perestroika, even, and I just wrote an article coming out in the November-December issue on Mikhail Gorbachev. Mikhail Gorbachev just passed away a few weeks ago. And, wow, what what a prophetic figure Gorbachev was. In many ways, he, was over, he presided over the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, the end of the Cold War, which led us into, it was the catalyst that launched us into the New World Order. It's what started this ministry, Mikhail Gorbachev. But in his, or I should say, it's the, my father-in-law wrote a book on it, which really launched this ministry. It wasn't the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, but that aided in it. But in his book, Perestroika, I've got, I don't know how many copies of it in my office upstairs, In his book, Perestroika, Mikhail Gorbachev said that there are three root causes for war. Political conflicts, religious conflicts, and economic conflicts. And and you understand religious conflicts. Look at Iran today. Much of their conflict stems from their religious ideology. And Mikhail Gorbachev's offered solution in his book was a one-world government, a global religious system, and a global economy. It's exactly what Revelation 13, it's God exposing Satan's end-time plan to establish his kingdom here on the earth, a world government, world religion, the mark of the beast. That's exactly what Gorbachev said we needed to have peace on the earth. Well, unbeknownst to him, that's exactly what the Bible prophesied because it's going to happen. And on page 231, Mikhail Gorbachev put together this all-embracing, it's like bullet points. I just looked at it the other day when I was writing the article. It's an all-embracing system of international security. Item number four double I of that list, it states, and I'm quoting, 
we must extirpate all genocide, apartheid, and religious exclusiveness. Hold right there. Religious exclusiveness. Now, when we teach our Understanding the End Time DVD series, we go into the genocide and apartheid part of it. But, I want to hold right here on religious exclusiveness. I heard a gentleman speak years ago who was talking about this world religious system or he didn't call it a world religion. He was talking about just gathering all the religions together in this huge, uh, you know, ecumenical movement and things and we've all got to have just all... He actually said, let's sweep the doctrines of the Bible under the rug that are divisive and let's just let God sort all that out when we get to heaven. I heard the guy say that with my own ears. Now, there is no way you could pay me enough money to sweep some of the doctrines of the Bible under the rug. We need those doctrines for salvation, right? Some people say, oh, doctrine's not that important. Oh, doctrine absolutely is. The Bible says, hold to those doctrines because in doing so, you'll save yourself and them that hear you. The Bible says, if any man or angel from heaven even comes preaching any other gospel, let him be accursed. So yes, the doctrines and the gospel, all this stuff, very, very, it's of utmost importance. You've got to get this stuff right. That's why it's, it's of utmost importance to be part of a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church and Bible studies and make sure you get your mind right. And so when we talk about religious exclusiveness, I, want, I, I heard this gentleman years ago, I'm not going to call his name, but I heard a gentleman that speak about religious exclusiveness. People who did not want to get on board with this, that they were, were religiously exclusive. Religious exclusiveness would be somebody that said, I believe that I know the only way to be saved. In other words, I believe the Bible gives us a plan of salvation. And that's the way you need to be saved. And just like this Kazakhstan document and some of these different ones that they say to coerce somebody to believe in just one belief system, that cannot be allowed. Gorbachev believed that as well. We need to, we need to extirpate all religious exclusiveness. To extirpate means to kill off. Now, Gorbachev is saying that we must kill off or abolish all religiously exclusive individuals. Okay, I'm going to hold right there again because I am a religious exclusive. Jesus Christ would have been religious, a religious exclusive individual. The apostles were religious exclusive individuals. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, men of God, women of God before him who believed in just the Bible, they would have been, they would have been in the eyes of this interfaith ecumenical world movement, they're considered religiously exclusive individuals as well. And Gorbachev actually states, I've read it in his book a million times it seems like, we need to extirpate religious exclusiveness. We need to kill that off. We need to abolish that. And the Bible says there's coming a time that, that some of that will happen. Great time of persecution. Individuals are considered 
religiously exclusive if they believe their religion is the only religion through which people can be saved. And again, Jesus Christ said, this would be John 8, 24, except you believe that I am the Messiah, you'll die in your sins. Except you believe I'm He, you're going to die in your sins. That would be considered religious exclusiveness. The Bible says, um, uh, this would be Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. These types of beliefs in the eyes of this world religious type system, they would be considered extreme religious exclusiveness. And the teachings of Jesus were definitely religiously exclusive. He said, I'm the door to the sheepfold. Anybody that climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. That's John 10.1. So, Gorbachev believed that the entire world needs to be re-educated to believe all religions are equally valid. And that process is already far advanced, everybody. And I wanted to talk to you about it today because you need to understand that there are some do's and don'ts in the end time scenario here. And you say, wow, it's a hard conversation to have with some people. I understand that. I've had it thousands of times, it seems like. And, but the thing is, is that it's a conversation that needs to be had. And because that Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceives you. Many will even come in my name and deceive many. So, what's the goal here? We want to get people to heaven. So we got to teach the truth. No matter what, without fear or favor... Teach and preach the truth of the Word of God. That's what will always prevail. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will stand forever. And so that's what we're going to stand on here throughout the end times. We're going to teach the truth of the Word of God. In the face of all the peer pressure and the pressures from the international community, we're going to stand by the truth because I know the God that gave us that Bible and He will always stand with us. God bless This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.